Well, good morning, friends. Uh, my name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Friendship, and we love meeting with God in His Word together. And so, uh, if you're a lady and you're available on Thursday nights, I'd encourage you to come and check that out and be a part of that. It's going to be a good time meeting with the Lord uh, in the Word that He has given to us. And we have a chance to meet with God in His Word this morning as a part of our Christmas sermon series called The Unexpected Expected. Jesus' coming was expected in the sense that God gave us prophecies, even in detail, for hundreds of years saying that a Savior King was going to come. But when Jesus came, the, the details of His coming were so unexpected that God accomplished it in ways that were beyond people's imagination, and so they were shocked at Jesus' coming and what it meant. And as we look at the unexpected expected, last week we looked at two birth announcements. Do you remember that? We looked at the birth announcement of John the Baptist, and then we looked at the birth announcement of Jesus given to Mary. And today we're going to look at the next passage in Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to make sure that we get our exercise today. And so even though you just sat down, you know what's coming, right? I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and we are going to read today's passage responsively. I'll do the leader part, and I'd invite you to do the part marked congregation. Let's read today's passage together. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Strength of his arm, the proud of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Amen. You may be seated. Every one of us have been greatly blessed. I'd like to invite you to just, just take a minute and draw some of God's blessings to your mind at this point. Some of God's blessings that He has brought into your life. When my kids were little, we would gather every evening with them in order to do family prayer time. And when we did family prayer time, there were three ways that we would pray as we came together. First, we would thank God, and then we would confess sin, and then we would ask God for things. And whenever we would gather to pray, my daughter, who was little at the time, would start the, period, the, the time that we were going to give thanks by thanking God for her bed. 
Every night for a long season, she would thank God for her bed because she was about to head to bed. Sometimes we were doing family prayer time in her bed. And so bed was on her mind and she would just want to give God thanks for her bed. It happened so much and so often that there were times where Maddie would start to launch into her prayers of thanks for the bed and I would go, oh boy, here we go again with the bed. I'd roll my eyes back into my head. Our eyes were closed so nobody could see me roll my eyes. Oh boy, we're praying for the bed again. But in fact, what Maddie was doing was something that I needed to grow in. She was recognizing and giving thanks for the daily blessings that God brings into our lives. Whether it is a bed or dozens, hundreds of other blessings that God brings into our lives, He brings so many good things into our lives. The Bible teaches us that if we're in Jesus Christ, we have every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1.3. If you're in Jesus Christ, you have every spiritual blessing. That sounds like a lot, right? Every spiritual blessing. On top of that, we have friends. We have a spiritual family to walk through life with. We have material possessions in this country that are embarrassing when we go to some other places in the world. We have the Word of God, the great blessing that we just participated in together. And most of all, As this passage points out, we have the greatest blessing, and that is Jesus, whose birth we celebrate during this time together. It is distinctly possible that we are the most blessed people to ever walk the face of the earth. Mary received a great blessing. She also was blessed. Mary's blessing that was announced to her in the passage that we read last week was that she was going to give birth to God in the flesh. Can you imagine? The angel announces to Mary, you are going to give birth to God in the flesh. And Mary is blessed by that announcement. And as Mary hears about that, she also hears that her older relative Elizabeth is going to give birth. She's been barren for all of these years, but now she's pregnant. And so Mary, in the passage that we just read, goes to spend months with Elizabeth at Elizabeth and Zachariah's house. And as she is there, Mary pens a poem. The poem that we just read, that some scholars, many scholars actually believe, was first a song. Sometimes we refer to it as the Magnificat. And within that song, we see from Mary wonderful lessons and examples about how God would have us handle the blessings that we get in our life. Mary's blessings were unlike anyone else's blessings, okay? No one else is ever going to give birth to God in the flesh. But the way she handles that blessing is a wonderful set of lessons for us about how we should be handling the, lessons, the blessings that God gives to us. So let's see a few of the lessons that Mary shows to us about how to handle the blessings of God when they come into our life. And the first is this, focus on God's blessings, Mary could have spent her time focusing on the challenges and the unknowns that this situation presented. She could have focused on the fact that everyone in her town now thought she had committed adultery. She could have focused on the fact that when she explained to the townspeople that, no, 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 I've just been overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, they all thought she was crazy. She could have focused on the fact that she and her husband were going to start their marriage in a way that no other marriage had ever started. It was complicated. It was messy. 
She could have focused in on the fact that she was going to give birth to God in the flesh. What is that like? We're going to raise the Son of God. What does that look like? There were all these challenges and all of these unknowns that Mary could have focused on. And I would say that if it had been me, it's possible I would have. Because sometimes when all of God's blessings are all around me, I can get focused in too much on the challenges and the uncertainties that I face in life. I can allow my mind and my heart to focus in primarily on those things that are challenging or that I don't yet have, rather than focusing my mind and my heart intentionally on all of the blessings that God has given to me. The intentional focusing of our mind and our heart on God's blessings is God's way of bringing us out of places of anxiety and worry and bringing peace into our lives. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That with thanksgiving is such an important part of that passage. As long as our minds and our hearts are focused on what we don't have, the challenges that we face, the unknown that is ahead, we'll be experiencing worry and anxiety in our lives. And God says, instead of that, I want you to focus your attention on the blessings you have received and give thanks. Because in giving thanks for all that I have put around you, you remember how I've been faithful. And you focus on all of the good and provision that I've brought into your life. And it gives you faith towards the future. I I experienced this in a conversation I was having with someone this week uh, whose husband had lost their job. And as I was talking to her about her husband losing her job, she just began to recount the different blessings that they as a couple had received over the course of their life. One blessing after another. Some of them years ago, some of them just in the last few weeks. And she said to me in the midst of her husband losing her job, she said, do I I really think that God is going to have blessed us in all of these different ways and now he's going to allow us to starve to death? She said, that seems really unlikely, right? He's been so faithful. He's provided again and again. She said, even if we have to change the way that we live our life in order to accommodate this, I know he'll be doing that for my good and working his good through that situation. He's been so good to me, I trust him for the future. And God calls on us to focus on those blessings, to focus on his good and his provision that he's given to us, and he builds and strengthens our faith as we do that. But we don't don't just focus on God's blessings in our mind and our heart. We also celebrate God's blessings. We actively celebrate the blessings of God. When Mary shows up at Zechariah and Elizabeth's house, house, we read that one of the first things that happened is that John the Baptist, I think his mom probably just called him John, we added the Baptist later, six months in utero, leaps for joy at the presence of Jesus. Here's this infant in the womb leaping for joy because he gets to meet Jesus. What's Elizabeth's reaction? Elizabeth's reaction is she gets loud. Did you see that in the passage? She shouts her praise to God because the mother who is carrying the Lord has come to visit her and she recognizes he's the Lord. He's the promised Savior King that has come. 
And so she shouts her praise before God. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord, makes great and big the Lord. I call all attention to God in this, and my, my spirit rejoices. My insides, Mary says, are jumping up and down because of this news of Jesus. There's a celebration of God's blessings that's going on here. We, we practice this every Sunday when after the sermon... We always come back and sing songs of praise and celebration together. We've just met with Jesus in the Word of God. This same Jesus that they're celebrating, we meet with him in here. We meet with him at the Lord's table. And when we do that, we then come back and we have the response of Elizabeth, who couldn't help but shout about how great Jesus is and how great God is. And so we have that response every Sunday when we come together. We spend time with Jesus, and then we respond by singing his praise like Mary, by shouting his praise like Elizabeth, by leaping for joy like John the Baptist, because we've had an opportunity to be with him. Let's acknowledge that there may be times when we don't feel like celebrating God's blessings. Where for whatever reason, maybe, maybe it is loss, challenges we're facing, we don't feel like celebrating all that God has given to us. I want to encourage you in those situations to fight through those feelings and praise God all the more. I love how the psalmists do this throughout the psalms. Psalm 103 starts with a line that several of the psalms start with, and it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The psalmist starts off with an imperative. It is a command to his soul, bless the Lord. Maybe he feels like it, maybe he doesn't. Doesn't matter. He is going to command his soul to bless the Lord. This is what we're going to do right now. And if we will, whether we feel like it or not, bless the Lord, look at the way God will use that celebration of his goodness in order to change our perspective and bring joy into our life. Right? We feel like it sometimes, we don't feel like it sometimes. Either way, bless the Lord, exalt him, make much of him. God uses it to change our perspective on everything in life. I want to invite all of you just for a minute to think of the blessings that God has given to you and have a little bit of internal celebration about those things. If closing your eyes helps, that's just fine, but just take a moment. Think about his spiritual blessings, relational blessings, physical blessings. We focus our mind and our heart on God's blessings. Mary shows us that. And then we celebrate God's blessings together. And as we are celebrating God's blessings together, the third thing we see in Mary is we give God all the glory. 
uh, in the passage that we were looking at, verses 46 through 49, saying, Mary said, my soul magnifies, focuses on, makes large the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary has been blessed, and she immediately magnifies and exalts God about it. She doesn't say, oh, yeah, I'm pretty special here. No, no, her entire and complete attention is on God as the one who has given this and his greatness in all of this. There is a temptation faced by every person who receives blessings. And that temptation is to understand those blessings to be the product of our own goodness. So that we look at, oh, life's life's going pretty well. I must be good at running this thing. Oh, my, my finances are going well. I must be a great worker. Oh, I've got a lot of friends. I must be really likable. Oh, this ministry is going really well. I must be really gifted. There is an immediate temptation when God shows his blessings to us, showers us with his blessings, to believe that those blessings are ours because of our goodness, when in fact Mary shows us a better way to acknowledge it's all about your goodness, God. God knew that when Israel entered the promised land, this was going to be perhaps the greatest temptation they would face because God's plan for Israel in the promised land was that he was going to bless their socks off. He was going to bless them beyond what they could imagine. And so he says, when I'm blessing you, there's a great temptation you're going to face to think that this is all about you and what you're doing. And so in Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18, he says, beware, warning Israel. There's a a warning here, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. God says the, the great danger when we are a significantly blessed people is to believe that that blessing is a product of our own goodness. And it creeps into every area of our life. We begin to pray about something, and God answers and blesses. And we say, yes, it's our prayers, instead of pointing to His grace and goodness. Our kids grow up, and they walk with the Lord. And we would never say it out loud, but some little kernel begins to grow within us where we say, we must be pretty good parents. When it's really all about His grace and mercy in our children's lives. Our finances are going well, and we think, boy, we're, we, we really have good strategies and good plans when really it's all about His great grace that He is showering upon us. And on and on we could go. When God blesses, what Mary shows us is we're to call all attention to Him and His goodness. Don't give in to the temptation to say, yep, I'm good. No, recognize what James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above right above. Mary has it right. This is all about God. He gets all of the credit. I'm going to do something a little unusual for us on a Sunday morning. Uh, You'll you'll notice earlier in the service, we didn't greet each other. Because I'm going to have us in the middle of the sermon right now greet each other. And when we do, here's what I would like you to do. I would like you to share with somebody that you greet one blessing that you're celebrating today. 
It doesn't need to be the biggest blessing in your life. It can be the smallest blessing in your life. But just share with the people around you one blessing, right, that you are celebrating today, that you're thankful to God for today. And so I'm going to invite you, stand with me right now. Introverts, it's okay. You don't have to make eye contact. Just shout blessings at other people. It's all right. But just spend some time greeting each other. All right, it's going to be uh, my job to uh, shout you back to your seats. A little, a little unusual, I recognize. I love it when we mix it up and you guys look at me like, what? You're going to make us do what? I appreciate your willingness to play along. It gave me a chance to write the end of the sermon so that we can finish this up. God, God has greatly blessed us and we focus on God's blessings. We celebrate God's blessings. We give him all the glory for those blessings. And something else we see from Mary's song is we focus on the blessings of eternal importance. We focus on blessings that have eternal importance. There are a lot of different ways to measure blessing and success in our world. A lot of different ladders people use to measure that. One of the things that Mary's song teaches us is we need to be focused on those blessings that have eternal value, that are going to last forever. There are another set of blessings highly valued by our world that don't last into eternity. And Mary says there are a group of people who have been running after those things. Verse 51, the proud. Verse 52, the rich. Verse 53, the powerful. Right? The proud, the rich, and the powerful. These aren't just people who happen to have a lot. These are people who have used their lives seeking these things, seeking to exalt self, seeking to gain more and more and more power and riches. And because they have used their lives in that way, in the world, they're up here on the ladders of measurement. People consider them to be greatly blessed. But one of the things that Mary's song teaches us is Jesus coming turns that ladder upside down. And all of a sudden, those things that the world seeks so deeply, more and more riches, more and more power, more and more adulation for me, all of a sudden, those things not only don't help us for all of eternity, but as long as they're what we're seeking, we can't experience the salvation that Jesus brings. And so Jesus' coming reverses people's priorities when it comes to blessing. Jesus' coming turns that ladder upside down. Uh, when I was growing up, 
I played sports where the person with the high score was the winner. Football, basketball, baseball, if you've got the high score, you're the winner. There are some other sports where the person with the low score is the winner. Golf, for example. Right now, what would happen if this spring I went out with a group of my buddies and decided to play golf, and my aim throughout the entire match was to take as many strokes as possible? And so we're getting to the end of the first hole, and they're recording scores like four and five, and I record 27. And on and on we go through 18 more holes of this. I'm even getting a little arrogant with them. Come on, guys, you can get to double digits. I know you can do it. First of all, they're not going to invite me back. But second, as I'm telling them, you guys, come on, you can take more strokes, those guys are going to tell me, you are playing the game the wrong way. And what Mary announces in her song is that there are a whole lot of people in this world who are playing the game the wrong way. People who are seeking more power, more adulation for self, greater amounts of wealth. They're seeking peace through having more and more stuff. She says those kinds of pursuits are the opposite of the reason that Jesus came. Jesus came to save people who are low, people who will be humble. And as long as our pursuits are those things of the world, we'll never experience what God has for us. Let me just, again, pause right now. Give us a chance to confess anything we need to confess about things that we've been pursuing in our life that that don't match up with what Mary is showing us here. Is there any way in which you're Your heart has been seeking for more and more control in marriages, at work, any way in which you've been seeking peace, not through God, but through more and more accumulation. Any ways in which your primary motivations and decisions have been all about you and people thinking more of you instead of Christ. Lord, we confess these things to you. We focus on the blessings of eternal importance. The fifth thing we see as we look at Mary's song is the call to be humble. God's blessings are for those who are humble. The ultimate eternal blessings that God has for us are only for those who are humble and bow before Jesus. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 5, James chapter 4, verse 6, say the exact same thing. They say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Or as Mary puts it in her song, His mercy is for those who fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord means placing Him at the center of everything. Fear of the Lord means He's the primary motivation for the decisions that I make throughout life. Pride is about making decisions that are about me, trying to exalt me, trying to advance me. Humility is about recognizing the greatness of God and living life entirely for Him. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Mary says His mercies are for those who fear the Lord. Mary was not one of those people that people would have thought of as high up on the ladders of blessing in our world. You think about Mary and the kind of life she lived. She was from a dusty little town called Nazareth, 
One of Jesus' disciples exclaimed about Nazareth, could anything good come out of there? She was, in all likelihood, a teenage mom-to-be, unmarried, in all likelihood in this culture, uneducated, as we'll see in a couple of weeks, poor. She was, uh, the phrase she uses twice in her song, of humble estate. But far more important than her being of humble estate was her humble heart. She's blessed by God and immediately she turns her face to God and says, you are great and you are awesome and this is all about you. Last week we saw that the angel comes and announces and what is her response? I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. She, she has such a humble heart. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How is it that I can become more and more and more humble like Mary? I think the answer to that is by focusing more and more and more on the person of God. Pride comes by focusing on myself and others and making comparisons. We see that in Jesus' parable in Luke 18 of the Pharisee who enters into the temple and he goes to pray and prays, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. And then he lists all the people that he thinks he's over on life's ladder. Thankful that I'm not like any of these others. He's making horizontal comparisons with others and it leads him to a place of pride. Nowhere in the scripture are we told that we should make horizontal comparisons with other people. It only does damage in our lives. It leads us to places of pride. Instead, Mary's completely focused on God. And as she's focused on God in verses 49 and 50, she recounts His holiness, His mercy, His power. And as she sees the grace and majesty and beauty of God... She recognizes how great he is and how small she is, and she is humble before him. She is on her knees before him and recognizes, life's all about you, God. It's all about you. That only comes through having focus on him instead of on self and others. James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourself before the, before the Lord. The proud may accumulate all kinds of blessings that the world values, heaps and heaps of blessings that the world values. But only the humble accumulate the blessings of eternal value, those of Jesus. Take a minute right now and just humble yourself before the Lord. Be obedient to James 4.10. Humble yourself before the Lord. It can only happen before the Lord, in His presence, when we see His greatness. Humble yourself before the Lord. And the final thing that we see from Mary's song is this. God's blessings for his children are sure. You can trust in it. You can believe it. God's blessings for his children are sure. She ends her song with these two verses. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Mary recognizes that God has promised to send a Savior King, 
Since the times of Abraham, for hundreds of years, thousands of years, there have been people who have been counting on this promise of a Savior King who had come, and now within her body is growing that Savior King. And as she recognizes this, she recognizes this in me is the fulfillment of all of those promises for hundreds and hundreds of years. And in the same way that Mary recognizes the faithfulness of God in fulfilling his promises, we recognize God is completely and totally faithful in fulfilling his promises to us. Just as he was faithful in sending Jesus as the fulfillment of all of those covenant promises, he'll be faithful to you in all the promises that he's made in your life. Right? God, God has promised that there is an eternal dwelling for you, an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Can you count on that? 100%. God has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. Can you count on that? Right? 100%. God has promised that having begun a good work in you, He will carry it to completion in the day of Christ. Can you count on that? Right, 100%. God has promised that if you're in Christ Jesus, He will work all things together for your good, becoming like Christ. Can you count on that? 100%. He was faithful to His promises in the birth of Jesus Christ. He has fulfilled those covenant blessings to Abraham, and now He is faithful to us the blessings that He has made promise to us. We're so thankful for that. We praise Him for it. Let's focus on and celebrate the great blessing in this passage together. We have all kinds of blessings. We've got physical blessings and relational blessings and maybe even emotional blessings and spiritual blessings. Let's focus on the great blessing that we see in this passage. Let's focus on the blessing that makes John, six months in utero, leap for joy. Let's focus on the blessing that causes Elizabeth to shout her praises to God. Let's focus on the blessing that brings Mary to the place of song. Let's focus on the blessing that is Jesus Christ and His salvation in our lives. Every time we go to the table and we participate in the bread that represents his body and the cup that represents his shed blood, we are celebrating him. We're celebrating all that he has done and his blessings and benefits that he has brought into our life. And I want to encourage us to do that today. As, as we take those elements to be celebrating him and focusing on him. Before we make our way to the table, I would encourage you just to bow your heads with me and take a moment and confess any sins and write your heart before the Lord. Confessing to Him. Seeking the attitude of the Lord. As we enter into this time taking the bread and the cup. We're going to sing a song that mirrors the words that Mary wrote here. Right? Our soul magnify the Lord. And as we sing that song of praise together, I'd invite you when your heart is ready to make your way to the tables and bring the bread and the cup back to your seat and all lead us in the taking of that together. 
But let's stand together and magnify the Lord in song and magnify the Lord in the taking of these elements.